Hello, friends, and welcome. I'm your co-host, Andrew Lazaga, here with Dubside. And you're listening to the Dubcast with Dubside. Dubside has just returned from the Delmarva Paddlers Retreat, which is the premier Greenland kayaking event in the United States. I was about to say North America, but Greenland is actually North America. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> That that was this was my twenty second or twenty first or twenty ninth something like that. I've been more than twenty times going to Delmar. Maybe it was the twenty first wow. one. That's like every year then. Yeah, yeah. No, I haven't missed one since two thousand one. But when they didn't have them for COVID, I didn't go to those. Oh yes, of course. Yeah. So, um, do you make any special preparations before you attend Delmarva? Well, I often want to work up a special rolling routine for the pool. You know, mm-hmm. like to music or something like that. I've done that many years ago, and they've they've done some very nice dressage. We call it in the pool at Delmarva, going back many years. But last several years, there hasn't nobody's really taken the initiative. So I, I was thinking I should do something. Now, now where I'm at now, there's a pool in the backyard, and I've got a, a rebel kayak I'm borrowing from somebody, um, and so that there's no no excuse not to to work up some routine. But I I was trying something. And I had some ideas, and then I then I went off to the Michigan training camp and the Minnesota thing for a month in, in August into September. So I, I, I didn't really put anything together. But when I got back, I called up the organizer and he said they, w- they wouldn't be able to use the pool. Oh, no. Because the, the, the camp was having a problem with the pool. Okay. And so I, and I was thinking, well, I could still just demonstrate. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've rolled in waters in Philadelphia and other you know, awful places. So if, if the water – because some years we'll go there and it's all – full of algae and, and murky looking, you know, oh. but, but Hey, we're not swimming. We're just rolling kayaks. <laughs> close your eyes and close your mouth. But, but, um, so, so I got there, there was not even any water in the pool. There's <laughs> like a, a, a leak problem. Yeah. It's all cement down to the bottom. So it just as well, I didn't work up a routine. So I had, I didn't have any, <laughs> didn't have to do any routine. No kayak dressage this year. No, no, no kayak dressage. This oh, year. too bad. Yeah. But maybe next year. You couldn't do it out in the, in the bay, it, it, in Delmarva, the, the it's really shallow till you get pretty far out. Okay. So you could you can't you, standing on the dock, you you'd even hit your head trying to do a hand roll. So you have to, it's it, you you can't you don't have a place where people can stand and watch easily. Oh, interesting. Huh. So that's why the pool is so nice when it, when it's working. Okay. So uh, who attended? Any um anybody we know? Drop some names. Um, some of the special guests that we've heard on on the dubcast where yeah. Don, Don Beal was there and Tim Galloway was there. That actually, actually that was Tim Galloway's first time to Delmarva and um, the Javier, Javier Nor, who I, yeah. I talked briefly to on episode 41. Yeah. From uh, New York. Yeah. From originally from Columbia. Yeah. And um, there probably was somebody else I'm forgetting, but um, have we interviewed, have we interviewed Anders Dugason from Norway? No. Okay, well, he, he was there doing a kayak build thing for a week with his, his partner, Yanni. They were there, and I helped, I helped with some of that. But the, the, the feature guest was a woman from Greenland called Baningua Koniliusen, and she had a very, very interesting story to tell us, um, some kayak history. She, she, doesn't, she hasn't gone to the competition. She's not a kayaker herself, but her, her grandfather was a special kayak builder. Hmm. And it's it's quite an intricate story, and I, I'll I'll have to make a podcast out of it sometime in the future and give you all the details on what happened there. Do they usually have a a Greenlander attend every year? 
they try to some years they, they don't some years they do but it, yeah that, that's sort of the one of the the goals yeah so how was the weather at delmarva that was pretty good it started out quite warm summertime still and then about about friday it got a bit chillier the evenings got chillier and then we had a little touch of rain on saturday and then it got it turned into the the, the fall weather with warm in the, in the saturday, sunday saturday and then cooler in the evenings and I, I stayed till Monday Monday morning, like the real diehards stay yeah. as long as they can. <laughs> did you get to um, record any interviews with people? I did. <laughs> I found it's easier to set up a time to interview somebody. Like Sunday afternoon was great because the, the main event is done by Sunday noon and people start leaving. Yeah, you know, walking around the whole time with a microphone. I I, I thought of doing that, but I'm I'm busy. You know, I'm, I'm in the water. I'm things, so it's just kind of oh yeah tough to do that. But um, so I had I had people set up to to come on Sunday afternoon. I set up in the one spot, had a nice view over the see, could see the the road people people driving out as they're leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was quiet in that room. So so first I interviewed the new Kayak USA president, incoming Kayak USA president Tony Schmitz. Oh, okay. And so, so we'll hear from him directly, and coming up in the future when I get get to that out. And then I interviewed um, Peter Gangler. We haven't heard from him yet. I, I might have mentioned him once or twice, but he he's been coming to the Delmarva things just longer than I have. It was way oh, way wow. back. And he, he's quite an interesting character. He's got he's got far more stories than I can cover in in the time I interview him. But he, I got him. <laughs> I got some good stuff out of him. And then I I interviewed. Anders Stugason, who I just mentioned, and, and and his partner Yanni, they are actually they're Danish, but they live in Norway and they build. He runs a kayak building operation. He's done that for for a livelihood for many years. Hmm. So we'll be we'll hear from him directly on the podcast. And then I interviewed. There's a guy named Kevin. I can't remember his last name. I, I go by first names. Kevin and his and his partner is Nikki. And they are from Jersey, not New Jersey, 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 in, in over there across the Atlantic. He came last year. I've seen him before a bit, and I didn't realize he's a he's a BCU coach, and not just a BCU coach. He goes way, way back to what, like when they first did some of the the early stuff. I mean, he's he's maybe a little bit older than I am, but he's like you know back in Derek Hutchinson era. Oh wow! So he had some real history about about how the the BCU has evolved and, and this and that. And now it's amazing that now he's got such a, 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 a tolerant attitude or an embracing attitude of the Greenland paddle. They, they had him out teaching because he, he's, a, he's a, a, an amazing instructor. Mm-hmm. And he's quite knowledgeable in all, all sorts of things. So they used him at the Marva to, to teach some of the classes and, you know, rescues and other, other various things. But he, I, I didn't realize his history that goes so far back. Wow, in isn't that interesting? Yeah, and as as his partner Nikki has also done kayaking for many many years, is has experience as well. So, I got some good stuff out of them. But when like later on, we 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 go to a restaurant and stuff, and he starts talking. Oh, he's got some amazing stories. <laughs> like, wow, he didn't tell me that when I was interviewing. I mean, you know, they're just cool things that happened. You know, somebody's name will come up. He's oh yeah, I was out with this guy. You know, goes on and on. So, yeah, yeah. Well, excellent. I'm uh, really looking forward to hearing all those. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to it. We have episode number 48.
Welcome to the Dubcast. With Dubside. This is Dubcast number 48. Wetsuits and dry suits is the topic. And before I go, as usual, I'll have some Greenlandic music. I've got something that might sound a bit familiar if you've been listening to the dubcast from all the way back in the beginning. In the year 980 to 990, somewhere in there, there was a guy named Eric the Red who lived in Iceland. And he ran afoul of the law and had to leave Iceland, which is a similar thing to what his father did in Norway, where they started out. His father ran afoul of the law and had to leave Norway, and that's how they got to Iceland in the first place. So Eric the Red got in a ship and headed northwest and found a very remote place and settled there. And then he wanted other people to join him there. So he told them, I've got this great place. It's called Greenland. And it's been said this is one of the first examples of real estate fraud. Because if you go to Greenland at certain times of the year in certain places, as I've been to many times, it's green. There's grass on the ground. There's shrubbery around. But any other time or any other place, it's not green. The predominant colors are blue, gray, and white. Yeah, lots of snow, lots of water, and lots of rocks. Well, to this day, it is still referred to as Greenland, even though it's not all that green. And more recently, when the Greenlanders got a chance to name it themselves, they decided to call it Galashlit Nunat instead of Greenland. I'll come back to that idea. But let's talk about cold water safety. And as the coldwatersafety.org website, a very informative website, indicates, the appropriate attire to wear for being around the water, such as paddling, will buy you some time. Because if you fall in cold water, you basically want to get out of the cold water as fast as you can so that you do not get hypothermia and die. And so whether you wear a wetsuit or a dry suit, it just gives you more time to get yourself out of the water. Now, whether you do a assisted rescue or a self-rescue, you need some amount of time to get yourself back in the kayak. And if you're wearing a T-shirt and jeans in ice water, you're probably not going to make it in time. But if you've got something on, a wetsuit or a dry suit, then you're still functional and can get yourself back in the kayak, hopefully. I'm going to start with basic information about wetsuits and dry suits and how they work. And once I've got that out of the way, I'm going to be totally subjective and give you my opinion about the issue here. And I have some strong thoughts on the matter, as you will see. Well, if you think about water and how it conducts heat, it is a far more effective conductor of heat than air is, which is why if you take a hot shower, it's a lot more effective at warming you up than standing in a warm room. 
And you can run outside when the temperature is below freezing and run around the block and get back inside and do that without getting too chilly. Um, far more effectively than you can swim around a pool with very cold water because that low temperature is transferred to your body much more effectively with, through water than air. So with a dry suit, you're trying to make a waterproof seal between your skin and the water. And then you have to make some sort of way to seal at the neck and the wrists. And that's usually done with some rubber gaskets. And then to get in and out of the suit, uh, they commonly use a great big sturdy waterproof zipper that you climb through and then zip up once you're in. Originally, dry suits were made with them. Um, waterproof material which wouldn't breathe so you'd get a whole lot of moisture building up inside from your own perspiration but then they came out with the breathable fabrics like Gore-Tex and so the idea there being that the moisture passes through and you stay dry on the inside. The other approach to cold water attire is the wetsuit which is not attempting to make a waterproof barrier but allowing the water to contact the skin but keeping the water from moving around. If it stays in one place, it can't transfer the heat. So neoprene, tightly wrapped against the skin, allows a small layer of water against the skin, and your body warms up that water, and as long as the water stays in that one place, uh, you stay warm. But to function properly, a wetsuit has to be very tight to your body. To buy a new wetsuit, you need a budget of starting with about 200 bucks or so, depending on what you want. To get a brand new dry suit, your budget's going to need to be in the neighborhood of $1,000. And dry suits are generally considered far more comfortable to wear than wetsuits. It should also be noted that a dry suit does not have any inherent insulation it's just keeping the water out. Underneath that, you can adjust how warm you're going to be by putting layers of insulation, you know, wool underwear or various synthetic materials at various thicknesses to keep you warm. Extras on a dry suit such as Gore-Tex socks or relief zippers to make it easy to answer the call of nature. You've got hoods and extra pockets and those things. That could take you up to $1,600, $1,700. The top-of-the-line wetsuits are those that are made custom-fitted to your body, um, and those can get up to the $500, $600 range. One of the best dry suit manufacturers, if not the best dry suit manufacturer, is Kokatat out of California. That's K-O-K-A-T-A-T. There are many good wetsuit manufacturers. Um, I've used ones by NRS, Northwest River Supply, for many years, and they make a fine product. They make wetsuits in different thicknesses, the thicker the warmer. Back in Dubcast number five, I made a recommendation, which I will state again here. If you don't have any cold water attire, the first thing to get is a three millimeter or three to three and a half millimeter Farmer John wetsuit. Check out the NRS catalog for that. I think it's still in the neighborhood of 200 bucks. That will allow you to extend your season into 
end of September, early October, starting off in May when the water's still chilly. And then if later on, you can add to that and go for the thicker wetsuit or a dry suit. And then you can also think about a, the shorty wetsuits, which are thinner or shorter. But start with the three millimeter Farmer John. That becomes your basic building block. And you can add or subtract from that. All right, so much for the general information. Now we're going to get opinionated. Have you ever gone to, well, I guess I have to ask just the, the women, because guys have done this most likely, but at the, at the beauty salon, there's a thing I'm told called a perm. Now, it's something where you put curls in the hair, but you call it a perm. Now, me knowing very little about what goes on in the hair salon, I would think it's reasonable to assume that a perm is something that's permanent. However, I'm wrong. You get It's not like a tattoo where you get it and it never goes away. It's like you get it and then at some point down the road the curls go away and you have to go get another perm. But I would think if you're calling it a perm, it ought to be permanent. Similarly... If you call it Greenland, you might think it'd be green, but that's not the case. They call it a dry suit. Now, when I heard the word dry suit, I assumed that I could put on a tuxedo for a wedding and then put a dry suit over top of that and go paddling all day and then go to the wedding, take off the dry suit and be ready to step right into the church. Unfortunately, you can't do that. Even if you don't have any leaks in the dry suit, at the end of the day, it's going to be really clammy and damp in there. If you use the dry suit for any amount of time, it's going to develop leaks. I guarantee it. It's as sure as death and taxes, leaks in a dry suit. After you've spent more than $1,000 on a good dry suit, you're still not done paying for it because those latex gaskets at the wrists and the neck have to be replaced every two years or less. And the cost of a gasket repair can be $30, $40. It's a real disappointment to be traveling in another country or somewhere in a remote location and go to take off your dry suit and just stretch open the neck gasket and have it split right down the side. And you gotta either send it in for repair or find a place that can do it or have your own tools and your own spare gasket on hand. A real hassle. Now, I would like to uh, set a definition of products that are made for in any in any context. But here we've got the outdoor industry, so you have certain products that are just well done. Not not a specific brand, but just in general, this particular thing for what you get for your money, for what you can expect from it. It's just a well-made thing. Very satisfactory. You can. You can appreciate that it's it's works very well for the job, and there's other class of another class of products that uh, just are inherently unsatisfactory and just don't do the job very well. And so, in the first category, I would put tents. You, know, you, you buy a tent, you can spend what a hundred bucks for a tent. You can spend a lot more, but a basic tent, when you get it, it, it they, they usually you know they'll, they'll keep the rain off. You know, they, they keep you keep you dry. They'll keep the insects out. 
they're, they're not really that heavy, you know, as tents go. They're not, nowadays we have nylon tents, you know, if it had a canvas tent you, in your backpack, is very heavy. But for, for what you get, for what you can expect it to do, for how long you can expect it to last, a tent, in general, it, it's quite satisfactory. You know, even on the low end, you know, they, they do the job. They do they, the job quite well. On the, in the other category, the second category, I would put, if we're talking about kayaking, the flares that you carry to signal for distress. They are not that bad price-wise. Reliability, they leave a whole lot to be desired. It's probably like less than 50% success rate in a flare. You know, they're supposed to be waterproof, but you can try putting them in plastic, et cetera, et cetera. But they're just, for, for what they're supposed to do and for how long you think they can last, et cetera, it's just not a very satisfying product. Doesn't, doesn't get good grades in that department. Now, if we're talking about the cold water attire, in the good category of very satisfactory product, I would put wetsuits. For what you pay, for how long you can expect it to last, and for what it does, it, it does quite a good job of that. You know, they don't call it a, a, uh, an odorless suit. Nobody's claiming that the thing's going to smell great. You leave it in a car wet, it's going to stink. But it, it's not called a, a perfume suit. It's called a wetsuit. You can typically expect a wetsuit to last easily five years, probably ten years of use. For what you pay, for what you get, for what it does, that is a very satisfying product. And I'm not talking about a particular company. I'm talking about any wetsuit. It does the job pretty well. In the category of unsatisfactory products, as a whole product category, I would put dry suits. I mean, I'm telling it like it is. They cost way too much, they don't last all that long, and they do not keep you totally dry. Now I'll explain my particular application. I am usually standing in the water next to somebody teaching them how to roll for over an hour, two or three hours, or during a day, it could be five or six hours. And that is an extreme test for a dry suit because it's underwater and it's got to keep all the water out. So any little leak, and at the end of the day, I'm wringing my socks out because the water came down there. And as much as I try to take care of my dry suit, don't walk on the Gore-Tex socks, wax the zippers, and have to replace the gaskets, etc., etc., I still get... After maybe two, two and a half years, it's just got too many leaks in it. It's shot. And, I, I'm, and I'm, they tell me, well, the warranty doesn't cover the, the socks or doesn't cover this or that. Or, you know, it's time for a new suit. Now, I know people who are happy with their dry suit because they are using it maybe five, six times for a year in a season. And they use it sitting in a kayak. So it's there in case they fall in, and they haven't had any trouble with it. Um, if there are little leaks developed, they haven't noticed it because they haven't been in the water fully submerged. And so for that purpose, they may get five or six years out of it. And if that works for them, then fine. But for me, um, hasn't been a good match. Now, I started out using the two-piece uh, Coquitat dry suit. This is a little easier on the budget to, to buy it in installments. They make these pants, and then they make a paddling jacket, and then you sort of roll them like a like a big dry bag 
roll the seam together many times over that goes around your chest, and that forms a seal. And I wouldn't stand in the water with that. The water's going to come in. But I, I, for many years, I was paddling with that, and that functioned to, to keep me safer if I fell in the water. Actually, it was the, the non-breathable pants with a breathable top, so I was sponging out the pants afterwards. But I, I, I did that for quite some time. That's how I paddled in, in very cold weather. Then, uh, as I was going to Greenland and getting to be a, somewhat of a name in the Greenland thing, and Greenland was the rage back then in the early 2000s, Kokatat gave me a free dry suit, being some, you know, their, their endorsement line kind of a thing. And so I got that one, full, full-size dry suit, asked for it in all black, which they made very nicely. And I used that for maybe two or three years, maybe two years. Then I was told this thing is, is past, its, past its day. You need to get another, another one. So they, they gave me another dry suit. They replaced it. I, I thought it would last a lot longer than that, but they replaced it. They gave me another one. And I used that for after a couple of years, maybe two years or so. That one started to, to get to that stage where it needed to be replaced. And I was told that the, some of the things wouldn't be covered under warranty, and it seemed through the circumstances they were not going to give me another one for free. And so I, at that point, I, w- I think I was borrowing dry suits a lot. Or in the summer, I would use a wetsuit. Uh, and then it came some, some years after that, I asked for another dry suit from Kokatat, approached them, seeing if they could hook me up. And so they, I was talking to a different guy. The guy I'd known there for a long time had, had moved on to another job somewhere else. And so they, they got my measurements all straightened out and asked me, you know, what features I want, the pocket square, this or that. And I told them all what I needed. And then they said, well, let's, we'll see what we can do. We'll check on that. We'll, we'll get back to you. And they, they, they called me back and they said, um, we can give you a, the, the pro deal, which is, I don't know, you know, 30, 40% off some, you know, lowered price. And I said to them, no thanks. Even at that, even a discounted, heavily discounted price, I don't consider your products worth the money. And, and I left it at that. Now, the, Co- the people at Kokatet are very nice folks. And I've met the, the guy who founded the company, Steve, very cool guy. I, I like the folks there. They, they you know, nice, nice operation. I just wish they made a better product. <laughs> and they, make, they do make wetsuits. They make, they make great PFDs. I've, I've used a Kokatet PFD for years. I still have my Kogatap PFDs, those are fine products. But the dry suits. So in, instead of that, I went to a place in Maryland, I think, called Wetsuit Warehouse and ordered a 7-millimeter Farmer John. I was going to get the custom-made one, but I, I needed it too fast for that, that summer of traveling. So I got just standard size. It would fit me a 7-millimeter Farmer John. And then I used various combinations of thinner neoprene jackets on top or a paddling jacket with insulation underneath it. And on top of that, in cold weather, I have the Tuileek, like either a Gore-Tex or a neoprene Tuileek, and a good solid roll. And that's what I use to paddle all winter long. Seven millimeters underneath, usually some booties with neoprene socks under the booties, gloves or mittens. And then you've got the extra neoprene on top on the sleeves or maybe a paddling jacket. And then a, a three millimeter two-a-leak on top of that, and that's what keeps me warm in the wintertime. 
If Kokatat wants to send me a free dry suit again, I'll be happy to wear it, although they probably don't want to send me anything now that I've put this information out in my podcast. But uh, for free, I'll use it. For for $1,000 or so, I, it, it's just too expensive for me. I'll stick with a wetsuit. And again, your experiences may vary on your budget for what your purposes are. A dry suit may suit you just fine. And let me say something about warranties. I've heard a number of people say that they sent their suit back into Kokatat to have it looked at, and Kokatat said, oh, we're just going to give you a brand-new suit. And maybe at some point in the past was the idea that they, they had a lifetime warranty on their suits, which sounds great. You pay all this money, $1,000, and you have to still buy the gaskets when they go. But other than that, anything goes wrong, you just send it back in, and they may fix it. They may send you a whole brand-new suit, and isn't that just wonderful? Well... These days, I don't know if they're still doing that or if they ever did that across the board, but on their website, it says that they, the, their, their top-of-the-line products, they have a, a, the cheaper HydraSuit ones, it's maybe a two-year warranty, but the other ones, they say it, it is warranted against defects for the reasonable life of the product. Now, you have to read that quite carefully because it, say anytime you say life, you know, lifetime, lifetime warranty, the consumer is, assumes that that you know, till I die, uh, this is covered. You know, my lifetime. That's great. But they're saying look, for the reasonable life of the product. Well, who defines how long the product lives? I mean, you could just say, well, you know, the, we, we we warranty this thing until it doesn't work anymore, and then the warranty is not any good. Well, that's that's saying nothing. It's like saying, I, I promise to tell the truth until I lie, and then I'm not promising to tell the truth anymore. I haven't said anything. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. Even if it was a lifetime warranty, a lifetime warranty doesn't always last to the end of your life. When I was a kid, I got a guitar amp made by the Acoustic Control Corporation, and it came with a lifetime warranty. They gave you a little card, like a little credit card, and it said Acoustic Control Corporation had your product, your name, and the serial number of your unit on it. And I thought I was set for life. I got a guitar amp that will always work anytime it breaks. I just go in, whip out the card, and it's done. Well, that ended when the Acoustic Control Corporation went out of business. <laughs> and that was the end of my warranty. And that company has been revived and resold or restructured. But the original lifetime acoustic amplifier warranties are useless now. You cannot get them honored. So if Kokatat ever goes out of business, any warranty anybody has on their products ends with the end of the company. And as I said, Kokatat is a very cool people. I just wish they made a better product. And I'm told that they, they have a number of military contracts because the military is interested in their dry suits. And they make special extra, extra cool military versions of them in special colors, etc., and they made a decision quite some time ago that they would stick with at least, I think it's at least 50% of their product will be the outdoor market. They could have very easily said, right, forget the outdoor crew, we'll go all military. We'll go with the big bucks, we're just a military supplier, and we're not going to make any consumer-level products anymore. But to their credit, they didn't do that. There are plenty of other manufacturers of dry suits. I don't have as much experience with them, but... 
dry suits in general, let me let me give you a few more little things to keep in mind. If you forget to zip the zipper up all the way on a dry suit and you plunge into the water, you will know very quickly. And it can also be dangerous to have a lot of water in a dry suit because that water, if it drops down to your feet, it makes you that much heavier to try to climb into a kayak. Or if you tip upside down and the air goes to the top and the water comes down to the bottom, it could hold you underwater. So you want to have that zipper zipped all the way. Also, if you're out on land and you run into a lot of thorns or briars, that in a dry suit is not a good combination, or as a wetsuit, it wouldn't be that big a deal. And if you're for a long time in the water, like this is what surfers do, you can urinate in your wetsuit if there's no other place to go. That would not be a good move in a dry suit. <laughs> now, if you do that in a wetsuit, I must, I must caution you that you want to still be out in the water for at least another half hour, hour or so. Otherwise, once you get back, your wetsuit will smell like a zoo for a long time. So in general, you, you, you want to avoid having to do that. But in a wetsuit, you have that option. But regardless of wetsuit or dry suit or even wearing wool, anything that they say it keeps you warm even when it's wet, there's nothing that keeps you warmer when it's wet, which is when you really need it. The evaporative cooling takes effect, and you get colder when you get out of the water because the air evaporating the water cools you down. And it would be nice if there was something that would go the opposite way because that's when you really want to get warmer when you come out of the water, but nothing does that. And even in a, in a dry suit, you can be paddling and be comfortable and, and be plenty warm enough. And then when you get out on land to walk around to take a break or something, that air hits you and it, you get chilly, you get colder, even with the dry suit on. And one other factor is putting on a wet wetsuit. Say if you're camping and you get up in the morning, having to put on that wet wetsuit is not a happy moment. Now, it only lasts for 30 seconds or so, but putting on a dry suit is far more appealing than putting on a wet wetsuit. Well, before we get to the music, I'll end with one little story, true story, that will give you an idea of the importance of getting either a wetsuit or a dry suit. This is from Moulton Avery's coldwatersafety.org website. This concerns nine members of the U.S. Marine Corps on March 6, 1968, at the Potomac River in Quantico, Virginia. It was 4 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon. The air temperature was in the 40s, and a light breeze created small ripples on the surface of the water. Nine U.S. Marines, dressed in sweatsuits and paddling a 25-foot canvas-covered war canoe with a four-foot beam, were nearing the end of a two-mile crossing of the Potomac River, 25 miles south of Washington, D.C., when they suddenly capsized approximately 100 yards from shore. The Marines were all excellent swimmers, part of an elite group that had trained for two months as close combat, physical fitness, and water survival instructors at the nearby Marine Corps Physical Fitness Academy. They were a tough bunch, 
and their group leader had taught water survival for five years. No one was wearing a PFD when the canoe turned over, but it was equipped with seat cushion type life preservers, one for every man aboard. Why they capsized and whether they attempted to right and re-enter the canoe will never be known, because despite a valiant attempt to swim to safety, every single one of them drowned. The water temperature was 36 degrees. Lesson learned? No matter how strong, fit, determined, or motivated you are, sudden immersion in cold water is a life-threatening event. Furthermore, no matter how well you can swim, cold water-induced swimming failure can make it impossible for you to make progress in the water. When your muscles get cold enough, they simply stop working. Some sobering thoughts from coldwatersafety.org. That's why you need a wetsuit or a dry suit. Here is a song originally done by a Greenlandic musician named Rikka.
Song by Rikka entitled Kimagit from his second CD. Rikka has a newer CD out, which is called Isigarama, that translates to When You See Me. And I haven't obtained a copy of his new CD yet, but the second one I've had for quite some time and enjoyed it. He's a fine singer songwriter. And if that song sounds familiar, I did that back in dubcast number seven but I'm giving you a chance to hear it again. That's Ricka. You can get his material at atlanticmusic.gl. R-I-K-K-A, Ricka. Well, tell me something. Have you ever been in a, perhaps a doctor's office or uh, anywhere where they ask you to sign something? could be in a bank, could be a waiver for an event. Did you read all the way through all the fine print? Well, I always do. And I will tell you situations I've gotten into as a result of reading all the fine print. And sometimes things have gotten a little confrontational. That will all be revealed in Dubcast number 49. So remember that the water is your friend. And in order to understand your friend and respect your friend, you need to know about cold water and cold water safety and wearing the right attire in the cold water. To stay friends with the water in the wintertime, you gotta dress for it. 